0: Welcome back to
1: Square Horror. I am your Duke of Spook, Danny. I am your Master of Scaramonies, Matt. Man, there used to be a time, Danny, that we've talked about a number of times on this program called Uh the 1990s. Oh, man. the (laughs) The movies that have come out of it that we have covered have spanned... They've spanned the the, the, the spectrum of gamut,
0: if you will.
1: I, I don't want to say of uh, quality because that would be unfair, especially for this show. I will say they've spanned the spectrum of, of human experience, yes. Danny, in a way that in in a way that transcends movies. Now, like I, I really hammered it home on the on the the high school movies, but they're really just is something about the vibe that this time period brought the movies, especially the teen drama, teen horror movies. Yes, absolutely. That is un, that's unparalleled. And I would argue is missing. Uh, not in a bad way, obviously, things evolve. But we were talking we about what sets these two things apart from other slasher movies. I guess I can answer that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah well it's that they're they're played straight you know they're they're straight they're straight and they are serious
0: yeah well and something that i feel like we'll definitely touch on more with this movie is this one's actually based on a book this isn't oh. just a completely original ip
1: yeah a, a, did you see anything about that i only really saw that passing
0: I did. And actually, the biggest thing that I thought was really interesting is that the author of the book was not uh, happy it was being made into a slasher film because hmm. um, when a uh, few years before they were starting to work on the movie, um, the author, I think her daughter, uh, yeah, her youngest daughter had been murdered in 1989. Oh. So she was like, yeah, as someone who had a murdered child, I don't really like horror movies and think they're fun to watch.
1: Oh, my God. Um, yeah. I, I had no idea that that was a factor in this. Yeah, I know that I had you know, no the idea. latter Scream sequels, that's, that's wild. I know the, the latter Scream sequels suffered a bit in the early 2000s in the wake of the, uh, the Columbine Massacre just in terms yeah. of people being like, do we really want to watch teenagers get murdered right now? Mm-hmm. Um, and all jokes aside, the answer was always yes. Like, yeah. The answer is never, okay, horror is something that is not appropriate for this moment. Um, so while I do God, absolutely see why you wouldn't want your, your beloved piece of, of your beloved work turned into something that hits close to home, mm-hmm. uh, but isn't the book a horror book in the first place it is a
0: horror book but in her novel no one actually dies they're just being terrorized so it's more like a mystery novel rather than a true horror novel which is how i guess she worked around it but i feel like in making it a movie they did have to up the stakes so i understand why they made it as they did
1: sure well and i mean we know from uh looking into the production for this movie that originally it was done relatively bloodlessly like they Mm -hmm. had to do reshoots for some kills uh to add some i mean i mean and the blood that's added is purely just a splash of red on the camera and that's it there's really not a lot of gore you know at all
0: Mm -hmm. yeah these kills in this movie are very are fairly tame they They leave it more up to your imagination
1: Sure. And I think that it's interesting because, it, it, you know, and now that you bring that up about the book, there's a good portion of this movie where the, uh, up until then, you know, the, the person following this group of friends,
2: mm-hmm.
1: they're not a killer. They, you know, they, yeah. they just limit themselves to terrorizing uh, the, their you know targets, these, these kids, these main characters. Mm-hmm. So for most of it, the killer isn't even a killer at all.
0: Yeah, it's just more of a harasser, which has right, worse connotations think, now. But. <laughs> I mean,
1: to be fair, the fisherman cutting off Sarah Michelle Geller's hair while she slept is only like a hair below killing her. Yeah. So, I mean, you're right. Like Just to say that they're being harassed doesn't mean that it all of a sudden becomes a PG movie.
2: Mm-hmm. It still
1: is very scary and very intense, especially with subject matter that they're dealing with.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: What's, uh, what's this movie about, uh, Danny? You want to talk a little bit about just what this is for people that may not know? So yeah,
0: so this movie takes place kind of over two years in that it follows this group of high schoolers who had just graduated, and they're celebrating right before they go off to their big, College or life plans like Sarah Michelle Geller characters ready to run off to New York and act, and we all know how that's gonna end up. Um, bad <laughs> and, and all the rest of them are going getting ready to go off to college, but then college. when they're drunk that night, they hit somebody with their car, which is Behavioral not a good water. sign because it always they,
1: ruins the night.
0: Yeah, it really, really puts a damper in your day. Um, and so they're all like Oh well we gotta take care of this I guess And so since they see that the person isn't Totally dead they're like Hmm let's throw him in the river And finish the job And we're all just Mystery's gonna agree dead. We're all just gonna agree That we never talk about this again Okay
1: Okay How How long does that work for them
0: that lasts a whole year be- until they start getting little trivia notes that are like, hey,
1: I know what you did, idiot. <laughs> that should have been... I think that was probably the first working title of the movie is, I know what you did, idiot. But they're like, no, no, no. It doesn't have an air of mystery to it. How about I know what you did last summer? Because, you know,
2: idiot Time just period. more or
1: less refers to like what haven't i done Mm -hmm. oh shit the last summer thing that's when me and my friends killed the guy oh did i say that out loud
0: and yeah so then the group has to be re uh reunited in order to be like hey who could possibly know what we did other than the four of us and the person we did it to
1: and, and evidently, becomes... like, a handful of other people that they just fucking told. So... Yeah, that was, that was
0: a choice to just yeah. tell
1: some more people about your blood pact. <laughs>
2: um,
1: I, I think what's cool about this movie, for I mean, there's many things. There's a whole mm-hmm. fucking... I'm looking at a whole outline of them. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the first one, I guess, is that, you know we talked about it was so it's a slasher movie Mm -hmm. again without most of it not even really being a slasher movie at all um it's written by kevin williamson the same Mm -hmm. man who wrote scream so the people that really like that whodunit slasher aspect you got that here well you have it
0: i love that uh kevin williamson actually wrote last summer before he wrote scream he had written it in the uh I think around like 93, 94. And he tried to sell it off to um, movie companies, but they were all like, no, slasher movies are dead. They're not coming back. And then after he successfully sold Scream, they were like,
1: actually, we'll take that one. I'm intrigued. <laughs> like, wait, 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 come back, come back, come back. You wrote that? Write this one for us. Yeah. <laughs> I also think that because it's a Kevin Williamson um, it hits on like what we talked a lot about with the faculty that mm-hmm. the Kevin Williamson effect, trademark pending, uh, is to have young kids or teenagers, young people mm-hmm. in movies that have them in real life situations that you know that they may find themselves in in their own realistic way and how they realistically respond to them in a way that not only is engaging for the people that are that demographic, the people that are watching these movies with their their high school friends, mm-hmm. but also to everybody else to, to have a good and legitimate mystery take place. Yeah. Um, but that growing up aspect is what we're focusing on with this whole series. And I think the, the, the good growing up thing, the good growing up moment this episode mm-hmm. of this series. <laughs> uh, what this thing highlights is um, the aspect... So, that you know, we, we've spent some time in the high school realm. The last mm-hmm. several weeks, we've been doing high school horror. And now this is our big boy graduation transition from mm. high school to the adult world. Of college. And, well, and not even just college, but just in general. Beyond, like, yes, yeah. we're, we spoiler alert we still have a bunch more movies for college and for grad school but like you know for, for some people that road stops mm-hmm. here that stops at graduating high school uh you know because uh ray uh freddie prince jr's character doesn't go to school he was gonna move to new york and decided to stay you know and stay you at become home a fisherman right right which is so, the like town the- job to have Hey, I mean, if you're next to water, you, you should might as be well. A fisherman. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's like, what did people on Amity Island do? Literally everything but fish. And then when they needed a shark to kill, they all remembered how to fish, and then they all went and did it. Um, but the growing apart from your friends in high school and the maturing from quote unquote kid, you know, teenager, high schooler mm-hmm. to adult, uh, those changes start remarkably quickly. And all it really takes is absence from your hometown away from it. I mean, because Julie, our main character, she goes to college. Mm -hmm. She changes a lot as a person. Her friends change a lot while she's absent from their lives. And you feel that a lot. A lot of the character interactions Mm
2: -hmm. as
1: they're coming back together all kind of revolve around that. Because the last thing they all kind of did as like a collective kid group as a friend group in high school was kill a man yeah. <laughs> and never talk about it again <laughs> yeah so I mean that brings up a you lot know, that of can really throw dynamics. a wedge into things yeah it can make things really fucking complicated I would think <laughs> especially if you used to date yeah
0: yeah that uh, can get complex
1: yeah just just a bit just a little tiny bit so Danny, your girl is in this sarah michelle yes Giller. she
0: is so yeah sarah so, michelle gillard's in this yeah. movie um this movie released the same year that the first season of buffy started uh airing on wow whatever channel it was um, and i heard and, that's
1: a good show yeah
0: oh yeah you know here and there i watch it it's not like i I've, I've binged the entire series a couple times at this point um but um and she was also in scream 2 this same year because kevin williamson was just rocking out banger after banger once scream came out
1: yes and scream 2 uh when we inevitably get to that franchise i think is like the slept on sequel i think scream 2 is like just as good as the first one in a number of ways Mm -hmm. yeah i'd agree with that but we'll get into that later her name is helen Shivers.
0: Yeah. What? Kind of a,
1: what? <laughs> yeah, it's not it's
0: not a Shivers great name. Timbers,
1: Come on, Helen. <laughs>
0: um and actually Sarah Michelle Gellar when she initially auditioned for this movie, she auditioned to play um Julie.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um which I think is also funny because um Jennifer Love Hewitt, who does play Julie, auditioned to play Helen. So the two really? of them just kind of swapped in the <laughs> casting process. <laughs> they just
1: and isn't that kind of interesting? I had a when I was watching it, I was thinking to myself how because you know the group of friends we're getting into them now. The group of four friends:
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, Julie, Helen, Barry Cox. Good God, Barry Cox! Uh, <laughs> I have so much about fucking Barry, uh, and then ray bronson so ray bronson is played by freddie prince jr who is mm-hmm. married to sarah michelle Geller. and they uh, met they, on this movie this is the first they time did. they interacted they didn't date till scooby-doo i don't think but they did meet on it was this movie. in
0: between the two when they started dating i think okay. they didn't get married okay. until between the two scooby-doo movies i think that, their timeline
1: i get a little fuzzy they, on yes i have to i have to know and then both and i I just know that the timeline currently is the two of them get to do star wars voiceover work because they're both big nerds that love star wars and their yes. kids love star wars and it's just great and their it's lives are great. So
0: good they are they are <laughs> um, but, a true power couple of hollywood Oh, for
1: sure. And they're just so wonderful. Like, every time I see anything about them, it's just, like, them writing articles about being parents. And they just seem, like... They just seem like good people. They're having a great time. They do. They truly, truly do. Um, But my point was that the Julie, Jennifer Love Hewitt, her Mm -hmm. character is dating Ray. So, had they gone in a little earlier, had they switched parts, maybe Sarah Michelle Gellar and Freddie would have gotten together a little bit earlier.
0: It's it's true it's possible.
1: Yeah, Sarah um, Michelle Gellar though just got to spend a lot of time with Ryan Felipe who we have to mention was in Wish Upon which uh, there you I go, think Kevin we might we might have to cover one today. <laughs> uh,
0: we probably will. Um but actually I'd be willing to um, give
2: it a chance.
0: Uh Ryan, Ryan. Felipe um was actually Felipe? suggested Felipe? for this movie. By his then girlfriend uh, Reese Witherspoon Who auditioned Whoa. for the movie But then said mm, I don't want to do that So she withdrew her name From consideration and was like Here this is my boyfriend Let him audition And he made his That's way into the movie <laughs> uh,
1: Yeah he, he plays Brian uh, Barry Cox uh, Barry he's... Cox Okay so before we unpack Barry uh, Ryan Felipe has also done a bunch of voiceover work um, he, he's one of those people that's like they were an actor for a long time and then they're like I'm really good at vocal expression and then mm-hmm. just did every video game <laughs> from like 2012 on amazing um, but I also think it's cool because he I, I didn't know until I was watching some commentary about it but the character Barry Cox Mm-hmm. Uh surprisingly enough, Danny, it's supposed to be pretty aggro, uh, kind of a big mean uh jerk face. What?
2: I don't know if that
1: reads at all in how no. he's played. Yeah, but that he's also supposed to be a big guy, a physically large presence. Mm-hmm. Uh and Freddie Prince Junior, I think, is like six foot. So what he did instead is he turned up his like Attitude and his physical Like just his physicality Mm -hmm. To try to make himself seem bigger So uh, All of the overkill Barry Cox Moments which there are several uh, Are a Another unfortunate symptom of Short man syndrome
0: (laughs) Oh man (laughs) Not short man Uh, syndrome
1: Barry and Helen are Dating each other Mm -hmm. at the time. Barry plays football, I believe. He's planning on getting drafted to the NFL, fuck knows how. Mm -hmm. Uh, And him and Helen are going to get together and it's going to be great and everything will be perfect and nice and sweet. Mm -hmm. Uh, But um, Barry is an uncompromisingly huge pain in the ass
0: and an alcoholic. Yeah. An early-onset alcoholic. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, so, their relationship, him and, him and Helen's relationship, kind of is the opposite of Juliet Ray's when we meet them at the little fun little beach scene, mm-hmm. which I'm going to say is this movie's uh, scream fountain scene, where everyone's sitting and you get to meet everybody, and you get to yeah. know what everyone's deal is. Yeah, you're right. Ray... Ray... Fisherman Ray Big Ray Bronson That's such a great fisherman's name It is Uh, Julie is going to do something Probably important So she and and Ray have this kind of There's this little elephant In their relationship called classism And uh, they don't really They don't really talk about it Much um, Mm -hmm. Because Julie would rather just fuck him It's true it's true but you know none of that really matters once you kill a guy
0: it's true oh and before we get too far away from the cast we should talk about um jennifer love hewitt as julie oh yes um, because she is our main character
1: after all yeah we're Um, spending a lot of time with with julie Uh, And
0: actually, this was the first uh, horror movie Jennifer Love Hewitt has ever done because she didn't like horror films. Um, (laughs) And as far as I know, the only other horror movie she's been in was the sequel to this, I Still Know What You Did Last Summer. I
2: think Um, that's
1: true. I I don't think she's done any
0: others since. But right before she did this movie, um, she had been making a movie with... Um, Jamie Lee Curtis who actually ended up um, filming another movie in North Carolina at the same time as their movie. So um, Jamie would come by to wish Jennifer Love Hewitt luck on her first horror movie and would come over to set every day just to give her a hug which I think Aww. is the cutest story I've ever heard.
1: That That's so supportive.
0: <laughs> so This is just another reason to love Jamie Lee Curtis.
1: Jamie Lee Curtis is a gem already, but you have like Jennifer Love Hewitt, who was under tremendous pressure to be a new screen queen, and Mm -hmm. she brings it. She was 18 years old when she made this movie, and I feel like Jamie Lee Curtis just saw herself in her, because Jamie Lee Curtis obviously is in Halloween and kind of launched the slasher genre especially mm-hmm. in terms of like a, a slasher genre with a final girl yeah and to like be getting encouragement from like the person that started your entire genre has got to be kind of cool
0: yeah yeah it had to have been just a great like on set feeling to have that
1: support oh yeah well and jennifer love hewlett has been known for having like such an iconic and terrifying scream mm-hmm. uh, which is one of the things that Jamie Lee Curtis became known for as well so that's you know you got to have the the old generation coming and be like hey now like don't don't be shy like this is the shit that you're good at
2: mm-hmm.
1: so we, have you seen scary movie recently? oh yeah okay oh, fairly so recently. This needs to be addressed now. This movie is straight up the plot of Scary Movie. Like, Scary Movie, outside of the Scream parodies,
2: mm-hmm.
1: do- rips, str- like, full scenes from this movie and oh, yeah. only changes, like, one or two things to make it a joke. And I think that's what's so fucking great about Scary Movie. <laughs> um, but what's with- <laughs> But it's also what's so funny to me about this movie because I hadn't seen this movie until after Scary Movie. Oh, no. like, every single scene, I'm, like, thinking about the joke scene from Scary Movie. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I don't know. It still works for me because, again, like it's it's supposed to be a Slash movie that's played straight. The reason mm. it's just so easy to make fun of is because it's taking itself seriously. Yeah. But you can have your laughs. You can have your giggles like I did last weekend when I was watching it. But you can also still see that like, there's some pretty legit haunting, good thriller fuel throughout mm. this movie. And that starts out in that whole first accident scene.
0: Yeah. So
1: walk us through, walk us through what happens here.
0: Okay, so they've just finished their night on the beach because they're having a good ass time, and we have right. uh, Ray behind the wheel, Freddie Prince Jr, um, and uh, Barry is drinking in the sunroof because yeah, he's also not?
1: about as good as I am at regulating his volume in any yes. given
2: circumstance. <laughs>
0: So yeah, he's just screaming and spilling booze on uh, Ray while he's trying to drive. And so they hit this thing that they're not entirely sure what it is at first. And it like wrecks Barry's car and Barry's freaking out about that. But then they turn around <laughs> to see a body in the road and they're like, oh, shit. What a so you They're
2: like,
1: guys, we
2: hit a boot.
1: Yeah. That's
0: right, because it's just the boot on the road before they find the person. eyes
1: we hit a boot. And attached to that boot is a body. So yeah, they Again, find... I just keep thinking about Scary Movie.
0: They find this body... And they're like, oh, my God, what are we going to do? Did we just hit a dude? Did we just kill someone? We can't deal with this. We're drunk and 17. We don't know what Honestly, we're supposed yeah. to do. And one of them's like, we should call the cops. And they're like, no, that's stupid, even though it's probably the right thing to do.
1: Yeah, because Barry yeah. Cox says it's a bad idea. And Barry Cox is drunk and insane. And they listen to him.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. And so they're like, oh, we gotta get this out of the road. But lo and behold, another oh, car shit, is coming, coming down the
1: road. And, and who's in fucking, that car? It's Leonard from Big Bang Theory. <laughs> About but like, like a decade 15 before. 15
0: years that. before Big Bang Theory starts.
1: And then he hits on Julie.
0: <sighs> yeah. And like, like he I, knows Julie's dating uh, Ray. And Ray is right there. <laughs>
1: And he, fucking Barry Cox would be in his face, being like, "Stop hitting on my friend!" But he's too busy moving a body covered in blood.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah,
1: because he was like, hit it's by the just body. So, like, it's just so the the whole freakout scene is so interesting because it's of course they're losing it and they don't know what to do or how to handle their shit. They're seventeen and they're drunk, like they're mm-hmm. kids. They're kids that have just made a huge mistake. Yeah. And the way they handle it is very childlike where they immediately try to get rid of the evidence. They look suspicious as fuck when they're doing yeah. it. Um, they don't bother looking at his wallet to see like who he is just in case anyone like asks them any questions. I do
0: really appreciate this uh, note in the outline, well, which is why in the ding-dong diddly
1: would you not look at his wallet? You're goddamn right. Because it's also right above but the fact that they cared about the crown as evidence was so strange and like it shows that like they're half intelligent cuz they kind of have an idea of like mm-hmm. how to not get caught with murder well cuz like they come they up with just... a really
0: good excuse for uh, Barry to not be talking to Leonard because he they're like oh he's just puking he's really sick cuz he drank too much and that's the reason he can you can't look at his bloody front right now Like that was in that was genius,
1: man. And I just remember that there's. Oh sure, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I just remember that there's also a bit that there is like, you know, when if you ever should not should if you ever do accidentally like hit somebody, the longer that you do not do like, the, the more suspicious shit you do in the meantime, or mm-hmm. just, like, the longer that you spend not telling the police that you did it, the more suspicious you're gonna be, and yeah, the less the they're gonna, gonna get well, we just didn't know what to do, so we stayed quiet
0: for a year. Yeah.
1: Right. So, like, but you're right, like, they definitely have those, like, moments of, like, make sure that we cover for this this way, or, like, make sure we get that crown, because that can be linked back to the one and only beauty queen of fish bay or mm-hmm. whatever w- whatever helen was yeah <laughs> but yeah like there's those moments of we need to it's also kind of, if anyone ever does start looking enough
2: mm-hmm.
1: so like the 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 aspect of the mystery is just oh but it's like oh shit they tried to cover it up and someone's gonna know
2: mm-hmm. so
1: then ultimately when you know barry screams at them to make a pact right now and straight up like van handles
2: yeah they're
1: gonna be willing to go with it and then it's on them at that point on they take full responsibility mm-hmm. so a year, a year passes. passes you can tell because of the alt-rock band that the campus
2: yeah, yeah we're passes. back to another fourth of july up, parade as we always
1: do college quad and some alt rock band is playing and then julie does a dramatic turnaround to show the time has passed she's <laughs> changed her hairstyle she looks like fucking garbage oh. i believe the look is called guilt and it's very in this season <laughs> oh my god <laughs> sorry (laughs) i just came for her whole as like you just roasted her life i really kind of ignore her a lot throughout this outline because i just keep thinking about how barry totally is the killer but he's (laughs) not he
0: he could be the killer
1: yeah like if he 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 weren't a killer (laughs) if this were real life barry would be the killer yeah. That would be the type of thing that they're like, "Oh well, we weren't sure Barry was the killer, but now that you say that he is, we absolutely fucking see it." Mm-hmm. Uh, so what's Julie up to after a year?
0: Um, oh god, what is she up to at this point? Because
1: she's—that's hey, off... the thing. <laughs> she's just doing nothing. Because she's just finished her
0: first year at college, so isn't she just like heading back home for the summer?
1: Just yeah, kind of on vacation. Home. Summer break. Yeah, man. See what what's different, what's changed. Well, Coming back from college, man, it's always she, hard on you.
0: It's always a little different and like she doesn't really have her friends anymore. She thinks Helen's off in New York.
1: Yeah, she knows yeah.
0: that uh, Barry's just kind of there again, being Barry. And she
1: can't see Ray again because they broke, they broke up. up. Man, and all of that kind of doesn't matter when again you're guilty of killing a man and you haven't said anything about it
0: and you start to get ominous notes at your home
1: yeah that really doesn't help the guilt because then Mm -hmm. you're like well now someone knows and now i don't know i now i have to confront what i've done whether i like it or not and make my friends confront it with me you know in a very sad and kind of soul-wrenching way, you have to come in and be like, hey, so I know we haven't talked in a while, but, like, that horrible thing that we did that I'm sure none of us actually care much about, it's absolutely... It's becoming
0: a problem. Again.
1: Julie also immediately, like, curbs Helen when she's like, hey, I miss you, and she's like, oh, by the way, remember that thing we did? That's Mm -hmm. bad. I'm like, wait, Julie, are you the killer?
0: Yeah, like, be... Be nice to your friends who obviously are going through a rough time, like Helen who had to come home after her dream was obviously crushed and now works in a department store. Poor Sarah Michelle Gellar With her sister. Yeah! Ugh. Oh my god, I forgot about her
1: sister. Exactly. Unfortunately, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. The, her whole... Th- Thing about having to come back and how it's absolutely not a problem for her is such a cool thing that I think Sarah Michelle Gellar plays very really well. Like, mm-hmm. again, because this is a Kevin Williamson script, he brings a lot of the real problems that these kids have to deal with, the young people got to deal with. And because they cast young people, it's very easy for them to be like, oh, okay, like, well, what's life like? And then use that, Mm -hmm. you know, acting. Well, and I do
0: like that this was back in the time where they would cast younger actors to play, or like close to teenagers to actually play teenagers in movies. Um, Because, yeah, there is a little bit more of that, like, you can buy into it easier. This isn't like the Grease movie where they have 40-year-olds playing 16-year-olds.
1: Yeah, but no one knew what it was really like in 1950. That might as well not have even... That might as well be ancient history. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> According to America. Yep. Uh, also, on on the level of, like, just what's everyone doing up to now? Like, Julie's been at college. Mm-hmm. Um, Helen's been working at a department store, holding it together.
2: Ray Ray is a
1: fisherman fisherman. on his new boat. What's like Barry been up to just being rich?
0: Barry is rich and just trying to get through college as like not a football star anymore. So like that's really made it like a soft blow to his ego. So
1: he's got to be like a normal person.
0: No no no, he's still a drunk. Don't get me wrong. And no, still no, no, psychotic. But like
1: going to college not oh. as a football scholarship. It's just like anybody else.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just still an asshole about it.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm I'm glad I'm glad that nothing has changed. <laughs> I'm glad that Barry is is worse now.
0: Barry is the grounded one in that he doesn't change. <laughs>
1: Barry's the glue
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean kind of because he's the one who's like now we can't tell nobody nothing I don't know why he went I don't know why he went with the accent but I'm sticking with it
1: I mean this movie it takes place in North Carolina on the Outer Banks but it might as well be like New Jersey because (laughs) honestly whoa Barry quickly becomes the tagline of the movie just because he's like okay Julie gets them in they talk they talk everything over and what mm-hmm. I think is so cool in a way that it's it's such a compelling way to make Barry look guilty as fuck is that the first thing that she that he does when Julie tells him that someone knows what they did is he's like oh man there was that nerd the drove by the night of the of the of the accident. I'm just gonna go and intimidate the fuck out of him. I'm gonna and go threaten totally his life. The off, right, that'll totally throw the suspicion off of me. And I'm like, yeah. dude, <laughs> you're gonna go tell the one guy that can go to the police because he doesn't really know. Like that makes it suspicious for you. Like only the killer would want to do that. Only the killer would make a, such also, a big show.
0: Why would you threaten him with what would later become? the killer's go-to exactly. weapon like you said um, that
1: you idiot well and because this is a slash movie that's being played straight there's gonna be red herrings galore mm-hmm. and a lot of them are you you're not gonna be able to tell what's a joke and what's real so truly yeah. for most of this movie as much as i'm like i know barry is not the killer but i'm like barry totally could be the killer
0: <laughs> he's definitely got the right mindset for it
1: <laughs> yeah, he already just manhandles people that are his friends like they're his murder
2: victims. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but that's all funny and ha great until he gets a note from the killer.
2: Mm-hmm. And then he's and, like, oh man, this is getting real Again,
1: I think it, Again, I think about the Seek and Scare movie, but putting that scene out of my head, him being you know, that, that picture that gets put into his locker mm-hmm. is legitimately very scary.
2: Yeah. But like, that
1: is a very scary scene. Like, putting yourself in the position of any of any of these kids, but Barry, this scene specifically, that's fucking horrifying. Like, it's mm-hmm. very scary. And it really st- does build the thriller narrative of, like, all right, just because we know it's not us doesn't mean that it's getting us any closer to figuring out who does know. Mm-hmm yeah so well, when yeah. you when you watch this, who were you finding yourself like think thinking you know like, who was suspicious besides Barry Cox?: yeah.
0: I mean, it is Barry I do like that they kind of add a little layer of red herringness to Leonard from Big Bang Theory only to immediately kill him off <laughs> to like set the yeah. stakes for the world right, um, they're like,
1: okay, you thought it was him, It's not. and i kind
0: of like that they have a lot of like subtle red herring type um hints towards ray now that he's working on the boat and he's theoretically changed a lot as a person
1: yeah and Um, he has this very cryptic ending with julie that probably goes hand in hand with when you know, the, the feelings that she keeps bottled up about the murder are probably right next to the ones she keeps bottled up about dreamy, dreamy Fisherman Ray.
0: Yeah, on his new boat. Um, and like, obviously all of them have a lot of emotions about what they've done and how they've talked to nobody about it. They all just need to really have a, like, go to a therapist and like, just tell somebody about it.
1: Amy, is this yet another tally mark in the ever expanding tally mark side of this wouldn't have happened if they just talked about their feelings?
0: I mean, this one would have been a little bit harder to like completely avoid. I mean, sure. But like, talk to each other, damn it.
1: Talk <laughs> to the police, it's okay. This Go is an cops. honest mistake. Take responsibility. But maybe. If you accidentally
0: kill someone, this is not me saying you should. But if you do, if you
1: do, if you find yourself in that unfortunate
2: don't
0: try to hide it and end up getting murdered by a fisherman. That is my pro tip of the day. Talk, tell somebody about it. Get the authorities
1: involved. It's not the past. People are gonna find out. Like you're gonna get found out. You might as well come clean as soon as possible. Otherwise you're going to look like Casey Anthony and she killed her daughter and you didn't kill this person. So you don't want to look like someone who was guilty. So yeah. just talk to the police. Okay, please. And you get a lawyer, get a lawyer. And get a, lawyer. a lawyer is get- a very important piece. Never, ever, ever talk to the police about anything without a fucking lawyer. Even if you're innocent, especially if you're innocent. Yeah. I took law enforcement classes. I'm not even, like, I don't even have a bias. Like, it's just common sense. Like, do it, please.
0: This has been your latest uh, edition of um, Law Advice from the Square
1: Horror hosts. You know what? If you can't come to your horror podcast for legal advice (laughs) in this economy,
2: Danny, where can they go?
0: Nowhere else that a grad student and a fucking actor will
1: tell them what to do. (laughs) Hey, listen. Together, we could really, really sell them on it being the right thing to do. It's true. We really could. We're really good salesmen, even though neither of us have any sales experience. Or
0: business degrees. All we really can do is talk. and That's what brought us here. And now we've been doing this for a while.
1: Now the show has reached a meta point that it cannot come back from.
0: So anyway, uh, <laughs> next up,
1: uh, so we've got Helen speak, because she hasn't had anything. Oh, right before that though, I want to speak to the police. Mm-hmm. I think what this one does that, that adds to the, the respect then and, and urban legends does this a lot too. We're going to be talking about it quite a bit. Uh, the interesting thing about these slashers is that because there's no amount of urgency,
2: mm-hmm. they
1: don't believe there's a killer on the loose. Like that brings an entirely new, you know, set of circumstances into play that this killer is pretty much willy nilly acting with impunity mm-hmm. and no one even believes there's a killer. So half of the battle is just convincing people that something bad is happening, let alone what you think may be happening. Yeah. You know, like when you put up against Scream, like, you know, at least the cops are actively looking for a murderer. Mm -hmm. And it's just up to the murderer to like hide in plain sight. In this case, nobody but these kids knows about a crime because to know about the crime, you have to also know about this other murder, this accident. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, this bigger
1: problem. Right. So not believing there's a killer gonna lose. It it gives the killer credence to just kind of fuck with him. Mm-hmm. And the way that he fucks with Helen is also very legitimately scary. Dude, it's
0: fucked up. It is fucked. Like, it's already bad enough if you just randomly cut somebody's hair, but to do it for someone who like so obviously really cares about her appearance, and it's like one of the few things that she still has control over is just so
1: fucked it's also so fucked the way because it's done in such an intrusive like personal attack that i can come into your house when you're asleep and do this Mm -hmm. whenever i want yeah
0: it's like it's an ultimate like act of this is gonna sound worse than i mean it to it's like an a true act of like terrorism over a person in that you can do yeah they have no power over what you can and can't do at any given time because they have like we've mentioned earlier they can act with impunity
1: right it's it's very scary to have a stalker that the motive is not a a personal you know like if just, you're right the motive is, is micro terrorism mm-hmm. instead of some kind of personal obsession you know because it seems to be from what we know that this is some kind of you know in a way like a revenge like someone yeah. that knows this guy is dead especially once you start integrating you know once julie finds out uh the, a guy that died that night and his family like his family is like yeah you know we, you know we we don't think it was an accident. We think someone killed him. Mm-hmm. And just the whole thing is, you know, it, it brings that like, fuck, like if this is this level of personal thing, it's someone's doing it out of revenge. It's, it's you're right. That micro terrorism aggression
2: mm-hmm.
1: cannot be understated. And the way they choose to do it instead of physical violence, with just these, these frights, these kind of almost, pr- they can kind of be construed as like pranks that go too far Mhm. because they're just like harassments
0: yeah yeah you're totally uh, but yeah. right
1: but cutting someone's hair anybody's hair i i akin to like it's like the classic scene from the godfather where they, the guy wakes up with the horse head in his bed it's a mm-hmm. it's sending a message you know cutting her hair yeah. was sending a message mm-hmm. for sure you know so that means that there's also a double red herring that someone in the mob was doing. This. I knew it.
0: It was the Italians.
1: Oh, no. Also, uh, really weird brief aside where it just links up. The woman that plays uh, the guy, I forget his name, the guy that they think they killed. Uh, Brian? What's the kid's name? Brian. Brian. Yeah, Brian. Uh, Brian? Is it Brian? I think it's Brian. Well, it's it's who uh, Helen and Julie go see his sister. Yeah, Missy, um, right? That, will, yeah, Missy, the actress, was in a movie called Donnie Brasco, which is uh, a Johnny Depp movie where he plays an undercover cop infiltrating the mob. Great movie. It all comes and back to the. It mob. It all comes back to the mob. Uh, this is just an example that you could just can you could just construe conspiracy out of anything. Because the killer is not in the mob. The mob is not even mentioned in the movie. Not even I a little bit. just put that on it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I just put mob connections in there and then I have to go ahead and just, someone has to waste time disproving that. Mm-hmm. And again, the cops don't even believe there's a murderer at all because these people are not dying. They're just disappearing.
0: It's true. Because yeah, there are no bodies yeah. to be found. Because there's even no bo- when bodies. they find a body in Julie's uh, trunk that is surrounded by crabs.
1: Crabs.
0: By the time they get back to it and she wants to prove that it was actually there, the body and the crabs are gone.
1: That is straight up jigsaw level talking <laughs> with the cops, by the way. Just being like, oh, look at this. Would it be funny if it just wasn't there and you have to sit there scratching your ass trying to explain how that happened? <laughs> and in such and a short entire- <laughs>
0: period of time
1: exactly
0: like we were just looking at, there were a lot of crabs there like you cannot a, move them a all that quickly dead
1: body covered in seafood and both of those things I would imagine stick around <laughs> odor wise
0: oh that's true he had to really febreze the trunk <laughs> on his
1: way
2: out
1: it <laughs> and smell tests <laughs> just bringing people <laughs> into rooms full of bodies and crabs being like it smells like a new car in here oh my
2: god that's, that's <laughs> you ever the
1: breeze for breeze commercials no, where they just yeah. bring you into like the bathroom from saw and they're like <laughs> wow and then the end of the commercial they're like oh look around here it's gross and then the commercial always ends there i feel like because the next thing is a tape recorder being like you thought this was a Febreze ad. Now you're being tested. Yeah,
0: it's always like this intense, like cat lady home that's just surrounded by animals and like litter yeah, boxes. Someone,
1: somewhere that no one would ever think to go looking for you at.
0: Yeah, you are surrounded by live
1: mouse traps. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. We're, we start to we start to ramp up. The killer starts to not think that terrorism is funny anymore, and believe me, I get it. Uh, and he starts killing them. Yeah, he it's it's deciding time. that he's time to build the kill His yeah, his, his money where his hook is, and start gutting <laughs> these kids. Uh, I think the the biggest death that surprised me. If we're we're, I guess we can get into spoilery then mm-hmm. uh, if someone is so inclined. Uh, to know a heads up death wise. Um, the one that surprises me the most, and I'm glad in a way movie doesn't, I know some people have problems with the death, but the the chase scene that ultimately leads to Helen's death. I think yeah. it's very cool. Um, the chase itself is great. There's mm-hmm. a number of really good stairs uh, and clashes with there. um, there's that Michael Myers strut towards Helen before she gets into the store that I think mm-hmm. is just, there's a lot of like fun little nods between uh, this movie and like Halloween. Like it's kind of referential, but not in the way screen is. Yeah. Uh, it's
0: definitely much more subtle references here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's more just because that's the genre and less like, look, I'm doing a Halloween thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Uh, but that chasing his store in the alley it's really cool and it's super frustrating the way it ends up because you're like she's right there she got away this guy doesn't really kill so much now he started to kill but like I mean come on it's Sarah Michelle Gellar she's not going to get killed Yeah, and then she does get killed and that's you know surprising especially feet from safety
0: so, yeah, I love that it's literally like a, f- a few extra steps away from a whole parade of people that can't hear her because there's a band at that same time because marching yeah, bands man. are
1: loud it kind of reminds me of that scene from Trick or Treat where uh, the-, the vampire fire guy uh, goes he kills that woman and then he just kind of like does it in front of everybody and then he just kind of sits her up against a wall oh it looks yeah. like she's just passed out drunk this gave me a lot of those vibes just because it's fourth of july weekend you know mm-hmm. there's fishermen all around there's loud noises there's bands of people coming and going no one again no one's looking for a killer Uh, So you know It's very easy to just slink off into the shadows After you've killed Buffy Summers Ugh
0: (laughs) A handful of people have done it But it needs to stop Leave Buffy alive One of them was just
1: a dude with a hook I mean come on Yeah So uh, I did you buy Ray as a suspect, like, a lot? Not like really. how, how high was it, he? It how felt like a,
0: a red herring to be a red herring the whole time when they were trying to, like, build him up. Especially once um, they're like, yeah, this guy came by and was, like, apologizing for my brother's death. And I was like, hmm... I wonder really who suspicious. would have a guilty conscience about that and is still is around. Julie. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, hmm, I wonder if it was Ray. And then they get to his boat and I'm like, oh yeah. So it was Ray. And that doesn't mean that Ray's a bad guy. It means that he felt bad.
1: So walk us through what the reasoning they sell us, or at least that Julie puts together for herself about why it's probably Ray. So,
0: when Julie goes to talk to Missy, who's the sister of the dead body they found, um, or of the person, I suppose, not just the body, but um, <laughs> he had a life. <laughs> <laughs> she mentions how um, there was this guy who came by who was friends with her brother, whose name was like, his nickname was like Billy Blue or something or Blue Billy. Something along those lines. And then when Julie's trying to meet up with Ray to run away from the killer, she sees that the boat he works on is called Billy Blue or Blue Billy or whatever. And she's like, ah, it was you. You were the friend who came by their place. So you must know about all of this. And before he has a chance to explain, no, I just felt bad about murdering someone and I wanted somebody to, t- to like kind of forgive me without actually right. knowing what I did. She's like, ah, I must run away to the first fisherman I see and get on his boat <laughs> because that I mean, can't it, be a bad sign.
1: First of all, don't ever go
0: on a stranger's
2: boat.
1: <laughs> but, like, that's just a bad call. Um, but yeah, in her mind, the boat might as well have been named if I did it. You know, she's like, I Not There's OJ. so much evidence. <laughs> Dang it. She's like, there's so much evidence. <laughs> she's like, well, there's all the evidence. I mean, you have the same name boat as, and are different now, and my ex boyfriend. So, yeah, like, while it does make sense for about two seconds, thankfully, the movie only lets you stay in the, huh, I guess it's Ray for about 10 seconds until you're like, nah, it's that fisherman guy.
0: It's that other fisherman on the dock.
1: Right. And I think they kind of pull a Hardy Boys ending where that Benjamin Willis mm-hmm. is Benjamin Willis is our killer, but Benjamin yes. Willis is not someone that we knew about.
0: We didn't know he was
1: there. Someone we would have expected because we didn't know about him. Exactly. In a very saw way, he was operating just outside of the parameters of what we noticed, but just Mm -hmm. enough to justify that he he has reason to kill people.
0: Yeah. Well, because then they give us his whole backstory on why he doesn't like David or Brian or whatever his name was.
1: Whatever the poor, unfortunate. That other poor man. Are. We, I,
0: he's a body to us. We, he's not like a a big character, but he's so important.
1: Honestly, if ever in the history of horror movies there ever was a character that was purely just a body, it was whoever this guy is,
0: or David Bryan or whatever. Poor body from I know you did last
1: summer. <laughs> What's his deal? What's Ben? What's the Sweeney Todd? Shriek you the Benjamin Willis tie to the murder?
0: So Benjamin Willis is the father of the. Okay, so follow me here. He's the yes. father of the girl who was dating Brian David, whatever.
1: Who Brian had, David Gilbert? Yes, who had whatever. Died, right, I'm just gonna call him that
0: Who had died two years ago? from some kind of accident i think maybe a car accident
1: it was a drunk driving accident
0: yeah, yeah, yeah yeah and so brian david gilbert felt so bad about it so he was depressed and so when they all thought they hit somebody um and they did um it was actually after benjamin willis had murdered brian david um, because he was so upset about him having been the cause of his daughter's death and so now he's just trying to wrap up all the loose ends and be like nobody needs to know because i just told my whole backstory to you just so i can kill you in true james bond villain
1: fashion yeah like can you imagine like if right before jason kills a camp counselor he just like explains his entire fucking life but like, he does it every single time he kills a camp counselor
0: Friday the 13th would suddenly become a lot longer
1: they'd be like i kind of liked it when jason didn't talk yeah i kind of liked it when
0: he was just a hook
1: <laughs> yeah so benjamin willis is you know pissed that he got a rightful you know equal punishment for killing a guy that same night mm-hmm. and he defied death somehow to recover from his accident and near fatal drowning mm-hmm. to go back to his life as a fisherman and follow the kids that attacked him yeah. or, you know, on accident killed him uh, and then make their lives a living hell until someone stood with her arms out swinging in a circle asking him what he was waiting for And he took that personally, as Michael Jordan would say, and decided to start killing them instead of just fucking with their bullshit. Yeah. Because I feel like he was like, I was willing to let it go, but guess not. But you know what? Now you gotta die. Now you've gotta die. So how this movie wraps up is interesting because they do that Friday the 13th thing where they have like a denouement of like, Oh, everything is fine, except it's not. And then the movie ends. Yeah. Do, do you know if they knew they were going to have a sequel after this?
0: I don't know, but I think since... Um, I guess how I viewed it, I don't have any research to back this up, so this could just be my mind. But I imagine that since Scream did well and they knew that had sequels since it was coming out the same year as Scream 2, I... I'm willing to bet that they redid the ending of Kevin Williamson's script to make it so clear for a sequel so mm-hmm. that they knew they would be able to do it. I don't think they thought they were going to have two sequels, but I no, <laughs> but they did. I think they did plan for the one sequel since scream okay. had done so well.
1: Yeah. and with scream success and you know the resurgence of slashers in the 90s mm-hmm. again this being a a brief a, a uh intermittent exception the you know, it does it, it tries to do the slasher without the supernatural aspect mm-hmm. but Sometimes it's always a little bit nicer in some ways to get that scare despite that there's no way that anything like that could ever happen.
2: Yeah.
1: Like the mall, which I think is more or less just among fans been attributed to be like a bad dream, Mm -hmm. uh, has Julie back in college, uh, you know, still dating Ray. Mm -hmm. Um, She gets in the shower and then gets a note with her name on it. You know, when she gets out, she gets all scared. But, oops, psych, it's just a sorority, not a killer. <laughs> and then it's kind of left up to interpretation to, does Julie get murdered? Is that just a dream sequence? Tune in next time to, I still know what you did last summer.
0: With Jack Black. Because oh, lest we forget, Jack yeah. Black shows Whoop. up in an uncredited appearance. And I still know what you did last summer
1: white guy dreads and everything we'll uh-huh. probably cover that movie someday uh we we'll get to like a forgot sequels mm-hmm. section of the podcast but yeah. for now you know that's just i know you left somewhere i mean it, i i very much encourage everyone to go watch it it's something mm-hmm. a staple of uh, of 90s horror it's a, it's a it's a modern classic
2: mm-hmm. um I, especially
1: I, if you like scream i mean
2: yeah.
0: Yeah, it definitely has the mid-90s feel which depending on how you feel about the 90s is either a great or a bad thing, but it makes for a really compelling I clearly like the 90s uh horror mystery film. Um, especially if you mm-hmm. don't know too much about it going into it. Even if you know what we've told you here on the podcast, you'll still have enough twists and turns in there that it'll make for a great viewing experience.
1: Yeah I mean we I think in a way deliberately glossed over a lot of the character interactions because we I wanted to establish those up top but Mm -hmm. really a lot of what makes this movie great and interesting to watch are those character dynamics that are what would real people be like at this stage in their life with what they're experiencing and then have this be the be on top of it you know mm-hmm. and it brings together a very unique slasher experience and just a very unique thriller experience
0: yeah and um, if you're planning on watching it close to the release of this episode it is currently streaming on HBO Max
1: yeah I think um, alongside Urban Legends if I'm not mistaken which you is are correct, our next week's episode is,
0: yes we will be covering that
1: next week so that's something to look forward to we might put those episodes out around the same time just because we've fallen a little bit behind just because, you know, work's been really busy for both of us. Mm-hmm. I know scheduling, getting time to do the episodes has been a little bit intermittent, but, you know, we know if we want to do a double feature episode where we just put one, uh, one, two punch of them and it will be uh, a little bit closer to the end of our series. Yes. Uh, a bit faster, but uh, yeah. We've got a couple more college movies. We've got uh, two very special uh, grad school <laughs> movies in mind.
2: Yes, um, we do.
1: and then uh, we've got some other surprises before the end of the summer, and then uh, we'll be getting back into the fall. You know,
0: back into the regular the old swing new things. Ahead, you know, yeah. You know, unless we hit
1: someone on the on the proverbial road. Uh, and then have to try to do something else. Inside. Just
0: so long as we don't try to hide it for a year, I think we'll be okay.
1: No, because Danny, you and I know, what do we do? Call the lawyer.
0: And call, call the, the lawyer. Police. Call Claire Sawyer, future lawyer from Neds Declassified. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I'm going to give you that. As you gave the, the end of episode... Um, suggestion what do we fucking usually give the the advice the end of oh, episode advice I'm yes yes
0: yes thank you thank you, that's thank you. you. yeah that's absolutely. that's You're my true. proudest accomplishment thus far <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> all right where can they reach us matt
1: oh that's right the podcast instagram is the underscore square horror podcast
0: you can email us at podcast at gmail.com. All
1: right, we'll be seeing y'all
0: next week. And until next time, you stay spooky out there.